I'm Dave Harland, and my newsletter is called The Word. It's out every Friday, and it's a collection of silly, satirical, satire stories for the show beginning with us, all about marketing, copywriting. I am your host, Akshay Chandramali, and this is the Newsletter Not Show. I love newsletters like Dwight K. Schrute from The Office Loves Paper. And on this show, I'm on a journey to talk to all the newsletter creators I love. If you're all set, let's dive into today's conversation. Before we get started, Dave, please repeat after me. I. I. Devious, worthiest, persuadious. Devious, worthiest, persuadious. Solemnly swear. Solemnly swear. To say nothing but the truth. To say nothing but the truth. So this is your first question in that case, Dave. So, you know, you introduced me to one of my favorite words of all time. And that is fruxtumptious. So what are such other made up words that totally sound legit? Oh, the made up ones. I don't know. I tend to, I tend to just make them up on the fly. Mm-hmm. And when I make them up, they kind of fit, you know, what I've made them up for. So if it's an insult, they're quite, I don't know, they're quite Germanic, I suppose. And they've got a lot of bile and spittle and they're quite, quite harsh, um, mm-hmm. I suppose. And then when I'm talking about something dreamier or a little bit imaginative, it might have, you know, it might, um, it might have a, like a double B in it or something like bubbly liciously and it, mm-hmm. a little bit more, a little bit dreamier than that. So mm-hmm. yeah, the words I make up, it tends to be just on the fly rather than I don't really, I'm not building up a vocabulary of made up words here. Mm-hmm. I tend to just, yeah, do it, do it as and when needed. But I'm glad, I'm glad you like Fruxtumptious. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I've used it a lot after I read that in a newsletter, right? And I really do think you should be building a vocabulary. Of yeah, it's a thought. That could be a nice mm-hmm. little side hustle, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. The alternative of vocabulary You could set it on Dumb Road, you know. Of course, of course, easy. <laughs> but we'll go 50-50, me and you. Sounds like a plan to me, Dave. Definitely. So we've met your mom when she said your head is going to explode. And you gave us all the feels when you introduced us to your nan. So what was the rest of the Harden clan like? And what was life like growing up? It was a lot of fun, as you can probably imagine from all the crazy tales that I tell week in, week out on the newsletter. Yeah, everyone's just really down to earth in my family. And I know it's probably true of a lot of families who, who live in the north of England um, and certainly in the north, the northwest, um, you know, people from Liverpool, where I'm from, they're known for their kind of human and lightheartedness and, you know, we, we like to, you know, take the piss out of one another um, mm-hmm. but always in a in a friendly way, if anything, it, it shows that we, we, we care more. But yeah, growing up, it was, yeah, it was, it was always fun and games and laughter and it was it, nothing ever too serious, you know. Me, me nans, both me nans, uh, were, were good storytellers, and I think that's where I I got that side of things from. Um, and yeah, just always. I remember being a kid, and my dad introduced me to you know really funny comedy com, uh, comedy shows over here in the UK, like. Um, I'm, t- I'm going way back now, like Harry Enfield and the Fast Show and sketch shows, like old British sketch shows. Um, well, old, old, I'm saying old. I mean, when I was a when I was a kid. So um, yeah, I was really introduced to, to that kind of fun and humour side of things from a young age. And it, it, yeah, it's all it's always just been like that. Everything, everything I do, both in work at home, I always try and see the fun side and see the light in it. And I think 
um, in marketing business, it's it's often overlooked that the seeing the fun in stuff can actually be a connector rather than you know a disruptor. So I think it's 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 a nice way to to break the ice a lot of the time, especially with the more stuffy brands and and you know the B two B stuff, which can typically be quite serious and you know very factual. Introducing a little bit of fun to that can can make um, you know traditionally stayed and, and serious businesses seem like they've got a little bit more personality and I think that's crucial now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we always the mess about her. That's another word that you use yesterday. Mess about her, that is uh-huh. what I use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, absolutely always. Um, I was the kid in school who did impressions of all the teachers. <laughs> so I uh-huh. did all the different voices. Right. And only later on, when I was in like year 11, which is like the, the last year before you, you you go to further or higher education, I found out that the teachers all used to talk about the voices that I did in the staff rooms and they'd get me to do them. So I'd wow. have one teacher coming up to me saying, oh, do Mr. Ricketts or do, mm-hmm. you know, do Mr. Clough for us. Um, so, yeah, so that was always there. And, yeah, just messing about. I suppose I've, I've always kind of, I've always been a five-year-old. Even now I'm, I'm 40 next year and I've still kept that kind of childish, just playfulness, you know, puerile way about myself. I think it's, I don't know, if anything, it, it keeps me entertained. And if, if people are, laughing along with me and don't think it's you know too too much for them or or good by me i'm very curious can you do any one of those impressions for us now dave oh the impression yeah well mr ricketts he was from he was from birmingham and he spoke quite deeply like that and he'd go david come here let's have a chat and so that's one of them um and then there was uh, Mr. Foreman, who was a little bit deeper voice, and he lived down south, and he spoke really formally like that. Um, so they they were the two main teachers ones. But as you've seen, I mean, I don't know if you you, you caught my previous marketing meetup one. I'll always have a little go at an impression. So I do really bad Arnold Schwarzenegger. I do really bad Marlon Brando from The Godfather. I do really, as you can see, there's a pattern here. They're all really bad. Um, but I'll give it a go anyway. I think. If you give if you give something a go and people can see that you're having fun with it, if they laugh along with it, doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you know, doesn't matter if the impression's good. That's how some of the best comics make their uh, make their money, don't they? Mm-hmm. The old, the old, I'm talking old old British comics here, Les Dawson and um, Tommy Cooper, was it? They they got things wrong on purpose and um, kind of had people laughing along with them. Really fun thing to do. Oh, I did catch your previous marketing meetup uh, chat. Oh. You know, that's how I saw the whole helmet appearance. Of course, yeah. You've already mentioned yeah. the, hel- the exploding helmet. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, yeah, I did Russell Crowe at the start of that, didn't I, in Gladiator? That is insane, <laughs> right? I cannot see anybody else putting that off. Please don't lose that side of yourself. Right? Yeah, I'll try, I'll, try not, I'll try not to. Especially, mm-hmm. in, I mean, I've been to, as you probably have, been to tons of webinars and they're normally quite... You know, ninety percent of them, I suppose, follow the same format, don't they? Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I try and go against the grain, not not just for the for the sake of it. To often try and kind of teach a lesson or make things really clear. Um, and I thought, yeah, why not try something a little bit different? It wouldn't be me, would it? If I if I uh, just came and sat, sat on here with a shirt and tie and talked mm-hmm. through copy, it's got to be a little bit weird. Totally, totally weird. So where did copywriting fit in, uh, Dave? How did that happen? I suppose the, the mess abouting part, it, it comes from a kind of deep, um, inquisitive nature, I suppose. 
So I'm not only, I wasn't only messing about and doing, you know, daft stuff and funny stuff just for the sake of it as a kid. It was always to kind of, um, I don't know, dig a little bit deeper into how people might react if I did something in a certain way. And I was constantly asking questions as a kid. I wanted to know, you know, I was one of these annoying kids. Why is this? Why is that? Why did you do that? And um, mm-hmm. I'm hyperactive, I suppose, as a child. So my nan used to, my other nan used to say, my great nan, my nan's, nan's mum used to say, this kid is the only one who comes in through the front door and he leaves through the, the window. And I used to put the chair on the window and that would be my game for the whole day. Uh-huh. So it was just, yeah, it was just a, um, I don't know, I was always just, I couldn't, couldn't just sit there and, and you know, be on my own. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm never, even now, I'm not my own best company. I always need to either be around people or um, be have an idea going on in my head or doing something. So I suppose, yeah, the writing side of things came from that when I was a kid. It was always just... I was always good with words from an early age. My dad used to play Scrabble with me and stuff, and I quite liked st- telling stories and writing stories um, in, in in English lessons in in primary school. So when I was yeah, when I was just a kind of five, six, seven year old, and then that kind of stuck. I'd be writing poems about my family, and um, I just yeah always loved English. So when it, it came to kind of choosing what where I wanted to go in school. It was always English. I did um, work experience at a local newspaper. So I was writing articles for them when I was like 15, 16. And then, yeah, when I went to university, I did journalism. So that's where I kind of learned how to do it professionally, but obviously more in a, a news style and a news and editorial or sports style um, at university. Um, but the copy side of the thing, yeah, f- fell into it by accident, really. Like most copywriters do, we don't really... Copyright. Copywriting isn't really, there's no university courses out there for mm-hmm. copywriting. It's it's just kind of shoehorned into a marketing or advertising course and they do like one module in it and then it's just left. So it's, I think it's a pretty misunderstood thing, especially tone of voice itself. A lot of people think it's a bit of a dark art and oh, it's just, how, how you know, how do we find our authentic tone of voice? It's, it baffles a lot of people. Um, so, what, yeah, once I graduated, I didn't do it. did one journalism job working for a, a local um, or a, a, a football website here in the north of England. So writing writing football stories, but it was just boring. I was just rewriting the, the Press Association news feed. I wasn't doing anything original. So even then, I, I had kind of design. I was writing my own stuff and I'd um, only just short stories and poems and things. But I always thought, right, how can I... How can I take this away from you know this this kind of boring football-y stuff? And an opportunity came to be the editor of a customer magazine for a company around the corner from where I grew up, like my primary school. And this company were like over the road from one another. Mm-hmm. So where that where that first started learning how to write these stories when I was five, I was back there, age twenty-five, um, over the road writing for, at this company. So. That was where copy. That was where I found out what copywriting was. I, I was editor of this customer magazine for probably for about three years, and then the, the marketing director said, "Do you want to start writing the customer emails and customer um, letters, uh, writing some, you know, ad- advertising concepts and things?" And I was like, "Yeah, so." He said, "So you'll be the new copywriter?" And I was like, "What time is that? Something to do with trademarking or legal uh-huh. or something?" Like, I mean, I still get requests today. Can you help me with trademark? Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not that, not that, not that type of copywriting, mate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that that was where I first kind of got into it. And I was yeah, I was mid twenties, so 
25, 26. So I've been doing it. I'm 39 now, so about 14, 15 years. Um, and I, st- I stayed at that company for about seven or eight years before I moved to to, be, to become freelance, before I gave that up and, and started mm. working for myself. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that was my uh, that was my journey in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. You mentioned that people are reaching out to you for copyright, right? And I think this is a good time to talk about people trying to sell you Bitcoin. On LinkedIn, yeah. right? Those stories always leave me giggling at the end. I'm always amused by those stories. <sighs> I mean, they're just relentless, aren't they? I mean, you mm-hmm. you must get them yourself. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you know, buy Bitcoin, invest in. Do- is it called Dogecoin? D O G E. I never know how to pronounce that one. But yeah, I whenever people send me those kind of unsolicited requests on the DMs, I just think, right, let's let's have a bit of fun with them here. So I always just. Whenever they ask me, um, and you can normally tell straight away because the way they speak to you, they'll say like "Hello, dear," and it's like, "Well, where's, where's that?" You can, t- you can tell like um, you know they're not. It's not a standard kind of introduction from a, a, a professional. It's obviously a scam. So straight away, I'll just make up a kind of fictional scenario. I'll, mm-hmm. you, sometimes, I mean, on Twitter, you can see what my name is. Mm-hmm. It'll say, "Hi, my name's my name's Bobby. What's your name?" <laughs> It's like it's got my name above me, mm-hmm. so it's some. Sometimes, I'll, yeah, I'll just make a name up for the hell of it. But yeah, I've made up all sorts. I I, I created a fictional, a fictional island that had no time in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean called Goose Island, mm-hmm. um, where animals evolved at half the speed of the rest of um, the world. I obviously created the one that I've got pinned on my LinkedIn is when um, I told um, a scammer that I was unable to send him any money because my debit card and credit card had been frozen after I'd been gambling on illegal hedgehog fighting in Colombia. <laughs> and then I mocked up, yeah, I mocked up the um, the bank statements showing that, showing the different bets on different hedgehogs. Spike the third, another one was called Prickly Jeff. I have loads of fun doing that stuff. And p- people say to me, oh, what, how'd you find the time for this? Obviously, you uh, you, you know, do you have a lot of time on your hands? I'm like, no, this this stuff weirdly gets me work. Mm-hmm. People see that stuff and they go, oh, I've just I've just spent half an hour laughing, reading through all your, your past, you know, winding up with these scammers. Can you do some fun stuff for us? Mm-hmm. And amazingly, I'll get hired for it. So it's it's the weirdest kind of accidentally accidental strategy that I've stumbled on, um, mm-hmm. where just doing really daft stuff as as you know helps me pay my mortgage. Fantastic. So was your newsletter one of those accidental things, Dave, or was it more intentional? I always thought a newsletter is just a bit too much hard work. I was always putting stuff out on social. I thought, that that's, there's my platform there. Twitter, LinkedIn, certainly LinkedIn, that's where I'll post my longer form content, although it's just got a little bit longer, hasn't it, now mm-hmm. that the 1,300 characters has been extended to 3,000, I mm-hmm. think it is, so... Which I personally think might be a bad thing because I quite enjoyed sticking uh-huh. to two hundred word LinkedIn stories. But we'll get yeah, we're getting off so off topic. Let's let's keep it focused. Um, so yeah, so the newsletter it was yeah something I'd always thought it's just too much hard work. You know, putting a weekly newsletter out. How can I manage that as well as doing client work as well as doing my day to day social media stuff? But after, um, I don't know, after about six months of the lockdown here in the UK last year, I've noticed that more and more people were starting to kind of bring the, the you know, the, the little side hustles and stuff that they've been working on 
to life. And I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I've, I've got quite a good following now on social media. Let's let's certainly for at least a year. Let's try and take that following and kind of build up some list. So in a year or two years or five years, when I'm hopefully gonna you know, not just be doing client work, I'll be also you know putting courses out and probably doing a book at some point and and a few other little bits which I'm effectively turning from a copywriter to more of a content creator. And I thought, yeah, let's you know let's let's start doing that with the newsletter. So. That was yeah. That was why I did it. It was definitely intentional, but the kind of the motivations behind it were a little bit more accidental, I suppose. Um, after I'd seen everybody else yeah doing doing stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's talk about the process on how you write these editions, edition after edition, right? What do you do to get into that vibe? Do you crank out loud music? Is there a certain food you eat? What is the setting? Get yourself into there. Yeah, I'll just have some kind of quite mellow music on on my headphones when I'm, I'm writing. I normally do. So, mm-hmm. you know, it won't be anything too heavy. I quite like Americana, folk, easy listening type music, kind of like the Lumineers or there was a, a, a band, um, I think they folded now called The Civil Wars. Just really kind of easy to listen to. I quite like that, having that on in the background. I don't really listen to it. It's just noise really, but it, it tends to keep me quite quite mellow when I'm writing. I know there's designers and things you listen to really kind of you know thrash and death metal and all of that type of stuff but now it's, it's never me I'm the opposite um but yeah the process I, I, I tend to kind of develop ideas I, I'll put it out every Friday the newsletter it's normally it's normally written on a, on a Thursday by the, by the close of play Thursday if there's any additional tweaks to put in on a Friday morning I'll do that but usually I'm, I'm you know I work full-time on client stuff so Quite a quite a slog to fit that type of stuff in. So, yeah, through the week I'll have um, you know all sorts of ideas. I'll be taking notes in my phone and um, and whatnot, and just kind of building the overall gist of the the newsletter. I tend to leave the subject line to the very last thing I'll do. So I'll, I'll probably probably spend most time on that. It's the most important part of the newsletter. I always say that to my clients. You know, if people aren't clicking the, the subject line, you've wasted all that time putting. The content inside it so um so yeah bring all the ideas together um on a thursday usually and then subject line on a friday and put it out but not yet normally just listening to to easy easy listening stuff and nothing too intense and where do you find these ideas dave you have a secret source of inspiration that you can dig into no they're not if anything they're completely open to everybody these ideas that i create anyone can create them i said i said that yesterday i get clients all the time you know where'd you come up with ideas how can we come up with ideas i suppose i'm just tuned in a little bit more to um, what i think i can take that someone said that's a bit weird or some that someone's done which is a bit a little bit obscure which i think if the if if the obscure has happened and it's it's caught my attention if i can somehow capture that and kind of recreate it and add a little lesson it's going to capture the attention of somebody else so let's you know let, let let's let's take the the lead from whatever that idea is but yeah it, they, they do they come from anywhere so it could be something like like you know the exploding face is a classic one my mum told me i was my face was going to explode so i wrote a story about why that was a much more impactful thing for her to say and it made me it made me lose weight rather than just her saying you know you 
you're getting a bit fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the, the ideas themselves can come from anywhere. For the newsletter, I tend to, which is, it, it's tough, I think, for first-time um first time subscribers I'll normally be referencing things that have happened in the previous few weeks or stuff that's happened on social I'll still put links back to the previous emails but the story itself they never usually just stand alone I'll always be referring back to something else from a previous week so yeah it can, it can, I suppose it can be quite cryptic for people mm-hmm. who are coming to it for the first time um but yeah those those ideas can come from anywhere I don't you know I don't I'm not one of these people who has a kind of you know, a, a long swipe file. Two or three, swipe. Two or, yeah, swipe. Well, I've got a couple of swipe files, but mm-hmm. very rare. I just that's normally for stuff. Oh yeah, I like that. And when I'm stuck for ideas for client stuff, I'll have a little read through it and just see if there's any any kind of inspiration. But yeah, not normally when I'm kind of uh, putting the newsletters together, I don't. I just do it on the fly. Just do mm-hmm. it from what's happened that week or the previous week. I don't have right this month. I'm going to be talking. I don't have themes or anything where mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking all about you know content ideation. Next week it's going to be all all be about kind of mindset of the writer. And the week after it's just not my style. I think mm-hmm. the storytelling style that I that, that I've kind of adopted as as my own it, it kind of lends itself better to these kind of off the cuff. Stories, and I think a, a lot of the, the good feedback that I've had is that people are like, uh, we we love now, or I love knowing that um, this stuff has happened to you in the past week, and you've somehow kind of translated it into a story. It's not something I've picked up from a copywriter from years ago, and I've yeah. just rehashed. It's not something that you know I've. It's not an old blog post that I've I've I had five years ago that I've rehashed. They tend to be original and, and, and fresh things. I mean, there's, there's a few bits that I'll, I'll just to make a point, I'll, I'll you know, re, reword an old blog post or take a new idea and just kind of, um, you know, add an update to that. But yeah, usually it's it's quite on the fly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And what are some hilarious responses to your newsletter, Dave, that have not seen the light of the day? <laughs> um, I tend to, yeah, the ones that kind of capture my eye, Oh, I think they're, they're the snappy responses to my my subject lines, and sometimes I'll ask a question. So last week, last week my subject line was, "Do you know what I mean, Akshaya? Do you know what I mean?" And a personalised mm-hmm. name. Do you know what I mean, Dave? And a guy, a guy called Dave Thackeray, who he's, he's quite funny on on LinkedIn. He just replied, "No." <laughs> so that, <laughs> uh-huh. Do you know what I mean, Dave? And it's like I'd written a thousand words, and he just replied. No, so just little little things that make me laugh out loud um, are, are quite funny. I get yeah, I get a few. I don't get loads of um, trolls really. I get I get people who disagree with stuff I say, and you know I'm I am quite open to um, discussing it on the on the, the, the following the following week, as you've seen. So if somebody said you know stuff like I think you 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 know your your bad language. Um, is a is a disguise for the fact that you've got no content. I mean, I laughed out loud. When I don't see that as a slight against my kind of copy because you know the stuff I put out is just it's just my it's just my content. Like if it, if it amuses me and it amuses most of the people who are reading it, I'll carry on doing more of it. So I'm not going to you know feel all um, feel bad because one one guy's picked me up on it. But yeah, I get a few trolls. I get a few. I suppose because I do. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not too crude, or I'm not too, um, what's the word, too provocative. I don't, I'm not like really rude and really outspoken. There's, there's, 
kind of you know disruptors and there's people out there who, who say stuff because they know it's going to infuriate people i tend mm-hmm. to not do that I quite you know it's, i think it's nice to be liked I'd, I'd sooner be liked than, than hated by people i just try and when i'm writing those emails i'll just try and say things in in just a really real and normal way and i think sometimes it's unexpected for people to hear me you know call the prime minister of the uk a narcissistic toad toad or mm-hmm. a narcissistic slug so i get quite a bit of um response from that but i welcome that when when people pick me up on stuff one it's, it's good content to discuss in the, the, the following mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. and two yeah it, i suppose it does it keeps me on my, my toes in terms of I, I tend to not put stuff out just for the sake of it um I, i'll put stuff out where, where which is well considered and I, i'll always kind of have a comeback even if what I'm putting out is, it can be seen as quite controversial. I'll always know what my stance is on that and what my take is on that. So when I'll when I'll put posts out, say on LinkedIn, for instance, which talk about the importance of, like I mentioned yesterday on the the market meetup talk, talk, it's all about the importance of capturing attention with your opening line and making stuff, you know, so it's not about yourself. So rather than saying we are delighted to announce this new product spin it on its head and say, you'll be delighted to hear mm. that you that we've just released this. And obviously I give examples that are a lot a lot more choice in terms of the language, but I'll get feedback from people and people respond and saying, you know, that's that's not us. You know, we can't use that in B2B. It's too edgy for us. And mm. we'll miss the whole point that I'm just doing hypothetically to give people, to let people know that, you know, talking about yourself and leading all about your company is not the way to go. Um, but yeah, some people do take it quite literally sometimes. It's it's fun. It's fun. I say, yeah, haters gonna hate. Bring on the trolls. And uh, as long as then, you know, as long as they're not picking on me personally, as long as they're not, you know, telling me my face needs to explode at any given moment, um, uh-huh. I take it. I take it all in jest. I see it. If you're getting, if you're getting, it's better to get trolls than not get trolls because it shows that you know you're doing, you're doing something right in terms of. Um, definitely alienating the type of people who wouldn't be your clients anyway. That's the way I see it. Absolutely. Love that. I think that I'm going to wrap up the very first segment of the show with one last question. Yeah. Right? What is something that you consider a newsletter sin? Something that people should avoid doing when it comes to running their newsletters? Speaking to the masses. The, mm-hmm. moment, that you, the moment that you speak to a group of people, you've, you lose, you've lost it. You've lost the attention of the one person that you need to read. Read. That's why I, I drop in occasionally midway down or just at the end, just to see if people, or to, just to capture people's attention still, if to see if they're kind of still reading. I'll drop a little personalization in. So it might be just, oh, do you know what I mean? Akshaya, or further down the email just before the sign off. And I get, I get responses from that. Well, I got one. She was like, oh, isn't that lovely? You gave me a shout out in your, your email. Uh-huh. She didn't even realize it was just a little personalization uh-huh. trick. And I, I, mm-hmm. I felt quite bad after that. I was like, you know, sorry, it was a little snap. And she was like, oh, okay. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. But yeah, so that's the main thing. I, I, I do say quite a bit as well. You know, tell me what you all think about this. It's like, why are you talking to a group of people? I'm the only person reading it. Speak directly to me and you, you'll get my attention more. So I'm a big big believer in that, in, a, in any type of marketing. Speak to one person and it'll, it'll resonate with them more. Beautiful, Dave. I think we've wrapped up the first segment with that incredible answer. And cool. the second segment of the show, Dave, is called Reading Room. 
in this segment you pick any favorite edition of your own newsletter and you read it out for us do you okay. have a favorite edition picked out yeah i've got it here it's mm-hmm. by far my favorite go for it whenever you're ready okay so the subject line was this was what are we on now i'm on it i'm on the 40th issue of my newsletter and this was number 7 so this was quite early on so yeah subject line was the real time email with zero edits hi dave i'm just using my own name there as the intro hi dave a real time email eh how does that work okay it's not truly real time because that would kind of defy the entire concept of email but this bit i'm writing right now is completely unedited like whatever i type over the next few paragraphs ain't getting deleted not a single letter i'm doing this mainly to show you how to get past that horrendous white screen whenever you need to write something for work or even for fun but also partly because i try to write these emails on the fly anyway with very little filter and only a loose structure to be honest i mean i have the general idea of what i want to talk to you about and some rough ideas of the points i want to make but the rest always just starts with an outpouring of blur just as it comes out of my head some people call it a brain dump others call it a first draft i tend to just call it the splodge it's everything i want to say but in its loosest form doing this is where some of the real gems lie though writing what i'm thinking precisely as i'm thinking it feels a lot realer than perfectly crafted sentences that i've poured over and lots of things that i write in the splodge usually end up in the final version the final version is what my clients get the edited stuff the polished stuff with a strategy behind it taking loads of things into account like tone of voice key messages audience insights behavioral psychology and calls to action that compel people to click it's all a facade really but not you you're in my inner circle you're seeing the speckles of weirdness that only my notepad ever sees the types of outburst you shout at the telly when boris johnson's turnip head appears and you're in the middle of your second bottle of wine feels a bit dangerous actually what a rush unedited emails you've got to try it it's like base jumping for nerds like i could literally just write two random words right now like elephant grimace what the fuck and there's nothing i can do about it i've been tempted to edit bits about four times now but that would be breaking the rules this odd concoction of words is what my brain instructed me to type and this is what my brain would instruct me my mouth to say if we were face to face so if i fuck up face to face and nobody really bats an eyelid it's all got on here too right because that's what email is in it it's a substitute for face to face conversation if you hadn't already noticed it's one of the reasons i begin my emails with hi because that's what i say in real life i don't say hi never have never will so i stopped opening my emails with it a while ago if you write stuff you'd never say out loud if you ever asked yourself why anyway if you waded through my waffle here that's just a little glimpse of how easy it is to get cracking with whatever you need to write by doing the splodge you'll find those little nuggets that get your point across in the most authentic way then just go back and tidy everything up maybe take out all the deeply troubling elements or turnip heads and grimacing elephants or leave them in if you think your audience won't think you're too much of a weirdo 
they might actually be the golden nuggets you need. Right, have a good weekend, and I'll speak to you next Friday. Bye, Dave. Is that how you say bye as well in your life? Bye. Yeah, <laughs> I try and vary the sign-offs. There was one I did one week, mm-hmm. which is when, whenever I'm on the phone to my niece, my little, I say my little niece, she's 24 now. Mm-hmm. Whenever we're ending phone calls, I go, bye, love you, bye, love you, bye, love you, bye, love you. <laughs> we repeat it about four times before saying bye. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that crept its way in one week, but, yeah. Bye. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a little, another little Harlem weirdness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love yeah. that. And I think what I like you concluded uh, rightly, those nuggets can actually be the stuff that gets people to notice you, right? And this yeah. was an important point you brought up even yesterday, uh, leaving your dialect in, right? Yeah. Like it has to be you. So do you think not many people are being true to themselves? When it comes to that, Dave, I don't necessarily. I don't think it's it's them being true to themselves. I just think it's people are told to act in a in a professional way. Bus- mm-hmm. You're in business mode. You've got to speak in business, you know, business sense. That's why people end emails with kind regards. I've mm-hmm. never heard anyone since I was born say kind regards. <laughs> it's like what? Why are these mm-hmm. people writing these words that they'd never say out loud? Especially email. Email's meant to be nice and. Um, you know, informal, meant to be, like mm-hmm. I just, you said in, 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 when I was reading that out, it's a replacement for face-to-face email. So when people say, I'm writing to inquire as to whether these requirements are, and it's mm-hmm. like, just say, I, ju- I just need to ask, is mm-hmm. this, you know, what do you need? Just keep mm-hmm. things nice and simple. And the, the simpler words, the t- you know, the, it's no surprise that all three and four letters long, it's not, you know, obtain and require and, um, you know, currently, it's get, it's need, it's now, it's say, it's but, it's to, mm-hmm. it's go, and the simply, you know, simply, you, you can you can make things the easier. The easier people are going to get the, the message, and they're not going to have to translate these words. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I get most emails I get are really formal. I don't mm-hmm. judge people for doing it. I just think you know, in a professional setting, if somebody is trying to sell something and their business is putting out this really kind of formal stuff. You can, you can strike a chord with, with you know, your audience a lot better if you do it completely the opposite way and, and write it more like you speak for certain brands anyway. It doesn't work with, with, with every brand, but I think in the main, you get your message heard better when it's, it's clearer and simpler and doesn't use mm-hmm. all of those kind of traditional buzzwords. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Fantastic. With this, I think we're moving to the final segment of the show, Dave, which is called Have You Ever... The rules are pretty straightforward. It is the same wretched old party game that all of us are so sick of. But the only twist here is all of these questions are related to your newsletter and your reputation is not on the line. Or is it really? We've got to find out so, after the conversation. My reputation is always on the line. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> every, every day I write something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are you ready to play Have You Ever, Dave? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. This is your first question, Dave. Have you ever binge read your own newsletters? Yeah, I have read them back. If mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm quite, yeah, I quite, I quite enjoy it. It's weird because the load, loads of actors, are, I'm not liking myself to an actor here. Loads of actors say they don't like watching themselves back. Sometimes I do quite like reading back some of my old, my, my old stuff, yeah. yeah it keeps me, keeps me self-entertained in a bad way. And I, I, like, I like to pat myself on the back whenever I get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Right. I know you amuse yourself, but this is a totally out of the blue question. But I'm curious, what else amuses you, Dave, apart from your own self? What amuses me? Um, seeing people in, again, it sounds a bit, it sounds a bit naughty. Seeing people in awkward situations, mm-hmm. quite like seeing people <laughs> squirm. I've got a weird, yeah. So I'll watch, you know, like the 50, um, you know, most awkward talk show moments on YouTube. I'll be like, uh-huh. ah. I love, love, yeah, I love seeing that type of stuff and just see, mm-hmm. I suppose it's, it, it, it's people, it's people act, having to act in a way that they're not used to. Seeing people out of their comfort zone is kind of weirdly appealing. So that, mm-hmm. yeah, that keeps me amused. Just funny, funny stories, I suppose. Just learning new stuff and, and um, being told things that I've, I've never really heard before or seeing things that even just finding out new words and, and, and finding out the etymology of them, where they came from, mm-hmm. like wow, it's more less less amusing, more kind of entertaining, I suppose. So yeah, I mean, amusing is more. <laughs> sound like a sicko, don't I? Seeing people square. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's funny though. Funny to me. <laughs> All right. In that case, this is your next question of Have you ever do? Have you ever met with a reader in real life? Yeah, yeah, I've met with quite a few. Yeah, I've been um, not not so much, um, not so much over the past year, um, but I know there's people who subscribe to my, my newsletter. We've had kind of meetups with other copywriters and other marketers, and been to a few conferences with, with quite a few people who who are subscribed now. So because I only started it last September, I haven't faced yet yet met anyone face to face since mm-hmm. since it began who's read it so I haven't yeah I haven't um not not since I started it so we haven't really discussed the newsletter itself face to face so I'm quite looking forward to that once it mm-hmm. opens up a little bit but uh, maybe we can have a, a new a newsletter nerds meet up um where we can <laughs> uh-huh. yeah talk all things email most of most of my kind of copywriter buddies now have got got the, the newsletters as well and they um yeah they they do them either once a week or once a fortnight once a month so it's nice to nice to read a little bit more about you know I, I can I can see the stuff that they're doing for clients because they put it on the websites and they talk about it but yeah just seeing their kind of natural tone and things is quite nice you got, I think you get to see a little bit more into the, the the person I mean if you do have a newsletter in North Beach up you know who to call yeah I will do don't worry <laughs> top of my list <laughs> fantastic this is your next question of have you ever Dave Have you ever missed sending out an edition of your newsletter? Yeah, twice, but it was only because it was, and I, I warned everybody mm-hmm. just before Christmas. I'm having, I'm having Christmas, and I'm having New Year's Eve off, and nobody really wants to be reading mine. What would they sooner be doing? Spending time with their family or reading me waffling on mm-hmm. about some <laughs> story that I've, you know, <laughs> some encounter that I've had in the previous week? So I thought, yeah, let's just, let's just, I won't waste time. But ever since, no, I've always, I always put them out. Even when I'm, even when I'm really, you know, stacked with work, I'll, I'll always carve that time aside every, every week to, to really sit down. I enjoy it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the one time, aside from my social stuff, it's the one time where I can really, you know, <laughs> create whatever I want. Really, I'm not, mm-hmm. not held back by you know, brands or sign-off procedures. It's just uh, like the splodge. I just pour out whatever I want. If people like it, sound. If not. No sweat. Fantastic. This brings us to the very last question of the segment and the show, Dave. Are you ready for the very last question? Yeah. 
All right. Ready, ready as I'll ever be. Have you ever committed the newsletter sin that you mentioned a couple minutes ago of writing to the masses? Have you ever committed that yourself? Yeah, when I when I first when I first got into the, the kind of copy game, I, I think that's it. it's it's something that most of us do at the very start. But you just shake that off with time, and yeah, it's just it's just something that you let you learn not to do because it's just you find it's it's just not as effective. But I see I still see big brands doing it all the time. Mm. I see I see subject lines that are talking to, you know, what do you all think about this and. You know, let it, let us know, and it's just like, just, just you can tell they're speaking to a group, and not one person, and it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little bit makes me it makes me think less of a brand when I see them doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you haven't got, yeah, you haven't got any sh- any sharp writers or good marketers on your books because I think the best ones know know not to do not to do that type of stuff. So I'd like to think not anyway. You're gonna pull up mm-hmm. an example now where I've <laughs> no no reading back previous ones where I've oh. spoken to a group. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Right, right. Dave, you have been incredible throughout the conversation. Thank you so much for taking time, Dave. I had an incredible time. I hope you had a good time as well. Yeah, it was loads of fun. Thanks so much for asking me. I know it's taken a while, it's taken a few months to get it sorted, but yeah, I've uh, I've really enjoyed it. My, my pleasure.